Welcome to our Ma Programming Talk on Getting Things Done. I'm Austin. I'm also here with some friends, Andy, Ray, and Aaron. And what we're going to be talking about today, we're going to be telling some stories of things not getting done, kind of talk about what's causing the madness from a lean perspective. And then we'll be sharing some stories on how we've seen things get done with Ma Programming uh, we're going to do a little bit of a demo of mob programming uh, with kind of a focus on eliminating lean wastes. And then we're going to have uh, an open-ended lean coffee. But we're super excited to have you join us for this Agile Tech Talk session. And uh, let's jump on in. So first thing is going to be, uh, we're going to be telling some horror stories of things not getting done from our past. Uh, so buckle up for scary story time. <laughs> and uh I'll be going first. Uh, so uh, if maybe uh, some of you had an experience like this um, where, you know, you've done the traditional code review thing. So you're working on some code, you know, you're working on a ticket and let me get out my laser pointer and you think you're done. And so you say, all right, I'm going to pass it to someone else. Well, they're working on something else. And so you're going to have to wait for them to look at that. So you pick up something else. And then, oh, and then they get something back to you and then you respond to that. And then there's a meeting and then there's a break and then there's lunch. And so basically what this shows is it shows all the, the lead time and waiting time and kind of a dead time for that ticket. And so I definitely did this in my past and uh, I was on a large team where it was times 10 because, you know, there's like 15 people doing this and it was not only code, but also QA and test and also hardware dependencies and things like this. And so, uh, you know, it was a good time. We had a lot of fun on that team, but uh, it took a long time to get things done just because of all the all the, all the the waiting for e each other. And it was also quite confusing to know who's waiting on who and who's waiting on what and when is it done? Um, yeah, so that's uh, <laughs> one of my stories. Uh, now we're gonna kick it over to Aaron. Aaron, what kind of, what comes to mind for you? Uh, well, one story I can recall, Austin, is um, I was on a team. We were working on an internal application for our company. It was a, it was a fairly uh, simple application to track uh, defective materials. Um, and we were meeting with our product owner twice a week. Um, it was going really great. We were making progress. We were feeling good about the work we were doing. And then after about two months, um, we reached out to the product owner and found out that the person that we thought was the product owner and much to the to that person's surprise as well is that they weren't in fact the product owner and there were higher ups who uh, did not approve of the work or didn't like the work and so there was clearly some po some politics going on and there was a lot of work that was done but unfortunately no one ever got to use the result of that work that product um, so that's one example I have, I guess, of things not getting done or not being put into production. And I think Andy might have a good story, too, about farms. <laughs> Thanks, Aaron. Yeah, horror story, yes. I was in a startup with only four developers. We got a senior dev, one mate, an intern, and myself. The senior dev was the superstar. He knew the business domain, like front-end, back-end, everything. He was pretty much involved in many projects, but we didn't work super closely together. Um, we'd never seen his code. He never really seen our code. There was no code review. So like 
when we test our software, we basically just click around the website, make sure that nothing blows up. That was it. And to be fair, it works out pretty well, at least for a while. But here's the thing with engineers, we're kind of unpredictable. So one day the senior dev said he's done with a desk job, uh, put in his two weeks, he wanted to be a farmer. True story, he wanted to be a farmer. So it was then we realized we got a really big knowledge silo. We just couldn't quite pick up where he left off. And the company had to like downgrade a lot of the projects and basically drop some clients. Sometimes the clients drop us. So, and the worst part, we had to hire him back part-time as a consultant for six months just to help us with this transition. So definitely not a great time. Um, crazy. What about you, Ray? Any horror story like that? Yeah, thanks, Andy. Yeah, I I, I have a horror story as well. Uh, this one uh, was more about, uh, had to had to do with us working with a third party company. And the plan was the customer would use uh, the, the third party sensor. And uh, then this company would then uh, send their data to one of our API routes. And so as we developed, there was a lot of back and forth and waiting for responses. Um, and eventually, uh, you know, we, we would be waiting like either like a couple days up to a week for a response, um, trying to see if things were working. How does it look on their end and our end? Um, we got it to work for uh, our development environment. We were in a good spot and we wanted it to bring it over to our other environments. And so uh, we were communicating that need and it took about maybe uh, a little over a week for a response saying that it turns out um, they would ha they would have to modify their production in order to to make that happen for us. So it was kind of a no. Um, so that did kind of involve a lot of like waiting times and just kind of um, wasted time in general. Um, do you have any other horror stories for us, Austin? Yeah, I got I kind of got one more, which is, uh, you know, we uh, it, there was a, a time where a third party uh, company developed some software. They were hired to do it. And uh, and they were actually giving these demonstrations that looked really cool um, where, um, they you know, they would open up the app and they would show like, oh, we, here's the drop down. Click this, do that. And it looked like everything was working. It's interacting with hardware. It's interacting with back end. But it was all smoke and mirrors, my friends. It was uh, <laughs> so it turned out to be that the things that he clicked on were the only things you could uh, tap on and click on. Because <laughs> if you click something else in the drop down, it wouldn't work. It would blow up. And the you know the interactions with the back end or the hardware were all like simulated. And um, it, under the hood, there was a lot of uh, unmaintainable code uh, that wasn't working well. And uh, so. Um, basically, uh, the appearance of being done, uh, but things weren't really getting done. Um, so, uh, with some of those horror stories, uh, maybe join us in kind of like a retrospective thinking here. Like, uh, you know, what's causing all this madness? Um, uh, you know, you got some well-intentioned people trying hard, working hard, um, you know, but what's causing this madness, even though with all the effort? Uh, so, 
I really like this uh, picture that uh, John Cutler put out on social media. And I think it highlights uh, some of the lean waste that I saw in my experiences, uh, kind of with the code review story times 10, uh, is that, uh, you know, a lean waste is uh, something that uh, is not providing value to the product or the deliverable, uh, the thing the customer actually uses. And so if you reflect back on uh, my code review story, there was a lot of waiting, task switching and handoffs, right? So uh, the item uh, was as done as much as I could do, but now it needed to wait for someone else. And that would cause everyone to do task switching, which takes effort and takes time. And you have all these handoffs, right? And I like uh, uh, John's uh, picture here because it talks about when you you know, uh, when you're waiting, you'll increase the work in progress, right? And that will lower throughput, lowers focus, uh, has more dependencies. And the more dependencies you have, you have to hire more coordinators and you're trying to keep people busy. And then it seems like your system's incentivizing busyness. Um, and, uh, you know, I've also seen uh, for some reason or another, it came with time pressure and I saw a lot of corner cutting and rework. Um, which ultimately led to, uh, you know, uh, la you know, um, a drop in morale and other things. And so, uh, yeah, this, uh, this loop can kind of feed back on itself and cause problems. Um, so, uh, what are some other ways, uh, you've seen in your experience, Ray? Yeah. Uh, so some other things could be like defects and tech depth, um, tech depth can be things like, you know, waiting till later to, uh, write tests or not writing tests at all. Um, things like not refactoring or maybe not even providing documentation for context. So uh, I kind of lump it as things that uh, we we would need to get back to in order to uh, be in a stable state. Um, this this image is a really good one that represents it. Um, so. He's saying, I don't understand why it takes so long to add a new window. Well, if you look at the house, there's a lot of things that we we need to go back and fix before we could add a window. Um, do, you, do you have any other types of lean waste, uh, Aaron? Sure. Um, excess inventory uh, is a, directly related to the story I told. Um, and, and when I... When I first heard this idea, it was a little tough for me. Like when I think of software, I don't really think of inventory, but you know, the parallels with lean manufacturing are very similar because um, software that isn't in production is considered uh, unused inventory or excess inventory and that's waste. So that, that product we worked on that never saw the light of day or got in a single user's hands was definitely excess inventory. So that's definitely a lean waste you want to be aware of. And at least for me, when I first heard about it, it was kind of a, a hidden waste that wasn't uh, intuitive to me. And I think we there's some other lean waste. Andy, do you know any? Yeah. Um, so lean waste, lawless silo can cause a couple, actually. Transportation waste is one of them. Uh, it is basically the unnecessary movement or handling of information during development. So when information is not shared well, we end up doing something twice, like it caused confusion, defect, basically all kind of bad stuff. Like one example would be 
say when the requirements are not clearly communicated to the team or when a team is stuck on the problems, somebody knows how to solve it, but that information is not shared to the right people. It is pretty common. It's basically a pretty common thing when we have a large silo like that. Awesome, awesome. So if that's what's causing the madness, maybe we can uh, get into some stories where maybe there's less of that madness. Uh, so yeah, we're going to jump into some examples there. But before we do, we definitely want to emphasize the just sharing principle. Um, and that's because uh, with software, uh, we are definitely more in the complex and chaotic space uh, and not so much in the simple um, or uh, complicated where, you know, you can just kind of copy paste, uh, you know, solutions or practices from someone else, just whole cloth and it'll just work, right? Every context is very unique. Uh, people are very unique. Uh, code bases are very unique. Um, and so basically what we are staying instead of like, hey, we recommend this and it'll guarantee that it'll work uh, in your environments. Because it might sound like that as we're telling our stories about mob programming. What we're really saying is, hey, in our context, this was very beneficial. You know, we're saying it worked for us. It's possible since there's at least one case where it worked. You may have success. You know, the, you know maybe it's worth an experiment. Uh, we're not saying the problems are the same as yours. You'll get the same results. You should do this and we're not guaranteeing it will work. We're not making any money from this. We're not selling yeah. anything. Uh, and we're happy to discuss skepticism and criticisms. And uh, we'll jump into that a little bit at the end there too. Um, and uh, yeah, there are definitely pros and cons. Uh, but with that uh, disclaimer, uh, legal disclaimer, so to speak, uh, I'm going to go ahead and jump into my story. I have lots of mob programming stories because, um, you know, we all do it. Uh, and this uh, team here all the time now. But uh, one that jumps out to me that was a big difference between the uh, uh, code review story uh, was my first day of full-time mob programming. Uh, and uh, the the end result of that first day is we released production immediately. Um, and I was absolutely blown away in a complicated IoT, um, you know, software that interacted. Um, with firmware as well. And so uh, I was I was quite blown away. And I think the big thing I noticed was everyone who was needed was there. There was no waiting for anybody, right? Everyone who was needed, whether it was front end, back end, you know, CI, CD pipeline, you know, firmware knowledge or hardware knowledge or domain knowledge, everyone who was needed was there. Uh, you know, we did, you know, QA on it with some test automation and when it right to production, and uh, uh, also in my experience before with all the code review is that we were usually swimming in, you know, 100 bugs or so. And uh, after I switched to mob programming, many, many of my teams uh, that I've been on have been uh, at zero bugs or near zero bugs. And that was a, a big contrasting difference. Um, and how about you, Aaron? What comes to mind for you, man? Uh, you know, I don't, I don't really have a specific story, a single specific story. But for me, I, I just kind of look back over my career, like even in college and like they don't teach you about, you know, at least when, when I went to school, they didn't teach you about, you know, the, the communication side of software development, the social side, um, you know, sort of the, the process. And I, then I think about my early career and it was a lot of you know, traditional waterfall shops starting out. 
Um, that was kind of the dot-com era where people were, you know, organizations were doing things fast, but maybe not necessarily doing the right thing. And then, you know, as my career progressed and I started working in more, uh, you know, agile type environments, I just noticed it was better. You know, things just got better in those environments. The work was fun. The, the people were more fun. Um, the work I was doing was more fulfilling. Uh, I could I could see the the software in people's hands. So I, I just I guess I just felt like an overall improvement in my my happiness and as far as you know emotional and career happiness. Um, going you know mob programming agile practices versus, um, you know, waterfall, you know, early in my career. So to me that that's, that's the positive story is just seeing how much happier and how much more I enjoy software when I'm doing it with a team or mobbing. Nice. Hey, yeah, I also got some, um, definitely some stories to share. Um, kind of, kind of like what you said, Aaron, it's kind of hard to like pinpoint like one single story. But I think I can maybe share a story about the first time I worked with the cloud. So I was in a mob of four. We got different, like people of different expertise. We got someone who is really passionate about server-side programming. We got a TDD expert. We got someone who is really into DevOps. And then there was me. I was the newest member of the team. I was mostly doing front end at the time. And we had to fix the deployment pipeline because it was having some trouble starting up some servers in the cloud. So coming from a solo development background, it is usually time for me to panic, right? Like I got assigned a task. I don't know the first thing about it, but uh, I was kind of really surprised that in a mob setting, it is very different. So while none of us know right away what, like how to fix the problems, someone had some context on the pipeline that was failing and someone else has some idea on what might be causing the failure so we were able to ask questions and bounce around idea just trying to figure out what to try the cross-learning happens really naturally like very soon i understand the problem that we were facing and start to understand what to even look up so and by the time we finish the fix, all of us contribute to the solution. And the best part is if something happens again with this pipeline, we don't have to rely on one person to remember how to solve it because we were all there. So that is definitely very different from like how it used to work back then where we rely on one superstar to fix everything. What about you, Ray? Like any positive stories to share? Yeah, I, I do have a positive story. Uh, so this one is kind of around when I was first starting out. Uh, there was um, a feature that we were working on. It was a little, it was pretty complicated at first. And so um, as we made a proof of concept and wrote tests alongside of it, we, we just had something working and the code wasn't uh, that great to look at. Um, it, it really felt easy just to leave things the way they are, but having other eyes on the code um, as we developed uh, was helpful and it served almost like a live code review as um, people were picking up on things that, um, you know, that I might have missed or and vice versa. 
Um, and when we discuss the implementation, we could make uh, changes on the spot and make decisions as a team, like right in the moment. And so that that was my positive mob experience uh, that I had. Awesome. Awesome. So yeah, as we were talking about before, you know, we, uh, we definitely love mob program. We have a lot of positive stories, but we also have challenges that are probably things for you to be aware of um, if you're going to try it out. Um, so we'll go around real quick and share some examples. So for me, uh, one thing that I noticed about mob programming, that's definitely a challenge. Uh, if you, you're all going to run an experiment, is it amplifies almost everything, including problems that might exist in your team. <laughs> so before if, uh, you know, there's an interpersonal, you know, personality conflict between two people, you know, and, you know, in a code review, you know, you can kind of avoid it, you know, to some degree, and you don't have to face it. Where if you're mobbing with someone like that, it really makes you uh, face it, you know, so uh, I discovered really quickly that I interrupt people all the time, and I had to overcome my, uh, <laughs> my, my ability, my inability to be patient, um, to be a good uh, mob programmer. Or if there's a personality conflict, you have to have a lot of grit to work through it and run experiments and, and figure stuff out. Sometimes mobs just gel and things go awesome. And other times you have to work through some interpersonal stuff. So that's a challenge for me. Uh, how about for you, Andy? Yeah, um, for me, I think one thing is the working hour could be more rigid because when we're mobbing, multiple team members has to be there. So if, say, if during solo development work, someone is more used to working odd hours, uh, you might need some extra process to make sure that it can still happen smoothly in a mob, mob environment. So yeah, that's definitely something to adjust to. What about you, uh, Aaron? Yeah, for me, uh, I think one of the challenges is I'm an introvert. So uh, the communication that's required for mob programming doesn't always come easily for me. Um, so yeah, just, it's just something I have to be mindful of. And, you know, when my mobbing's hat on, I have to, you know, be mindful to think out loud. Uh, as an introvert, we're very comfortable in our, our own heads. And sometimes I tend to forget that not everyone on the team is a mind reader. So I have to uh, be better about communicating my thoughts. So that was a challenge for me, and, and it's it's not a huge challenge. You just have to be mindful of it, and and you know adjust. What about you, Ray? Yeah, uh, I think uh, a challenge that I've faced with mob programming is is just uh, being vulnerable, and uh, being comfortable with being vulnerable and saying things like "I don't know," and I think that's really important for uh, mob success as it helps everyone get an idea of where we're at and um, what to talk about. Awesome, awesome. So yeah, we've shared some uh, the pros and cons, but how we've been having fun with mob programming and getting stuff done. And so uh, we're gonna jump into a mob programming demo. And uh, what's different about this demo, uh, there's quite a few demos of people mob programming uh, out there on the internet and uh, uh, what we're not going to do a, a typical one where it's like, oh, you get to watch us, um, you know, do the low level uh, kind of navigation and collaboration on, uh, you know, maybe some tests or nuts and bolts of FizzBuzz or something like that. Um, we're more going to be focused on kind of in the spirit of our talk 
on uh, how mob programming is uh, can help identify and eliminate lean wastes because often it seems like lean wastes don't show up with like a big conscious decision like, oh, for this month, we're going to introduce 20 lean wastes. In my experience, it happens through a bunch of like, you know, 100 micro decisions that individuals or a team makes as they're working on the code or the software or testing. And so, uh, yeah, we're going to jump in, start working on some code. Uh, it is a bit scripted, so get ready for some very good bad theater, uh, so to speak. Uh, <laughs> uh, but we just wanted to give you uh, some highlights of how we saw it happening with mob programming. Uh, if you are a coder, you'll see some code up on the screen that you can recognize. Uh, if you're not a coder, don't worry about it. Uh, just watch the interactions and see if you can join with us and point out uh, some of the lean wastes and uh, if we eliminated some of them or not. Uh, so without further ado, we're going to jump into that demo. All right, welcome to our little uh, mob demo here. Uh, we up, have up on the screen a uh, um, an desk session into a mob station that's got some code up on the screen. And uh, we're basically going to jump right in as if the four of us were mobbing and trying to figure out what to do together. Um, but basically, the thing is, there's some code here. Uh, there's a high priority request for this e-commerce site that uh, does transactions on World of Warcraft type items. Um, and uh, the change we got to make to this existing code that's out there in production and working is uh, conjured items are going to degrade in quality twice as fast as normal items. So uh, without further ado, uh, we got Ray uh, driving and Andy navigating. What you thinking, Andy? Um. I guess the, I mean, looking at this, right, first thing that I would think of is maybe we should see how much existing test coverage we have because that could also help us understand the existing code. Do yeah. you have any but, but, you know, so, I'm, but Andy, I'm looking at it and so you can see that there's an if on like different items like aged brie, and backstage passes and i'm sorry i'm like overtaking your navigation over here andy but uh ray if you scroll down a little bit do we see other like items yeah so let's just why don't we just like add an if somewhere like go back up at the top and like online what is that like 23 and a half let's just you know let's just add in the if and do it you know what do you Ooh. think man yeah hold on hold on <laughs> <laughs> I think we might actually, we should probably add some tests first because who knows how many things that we're going to break if we just start adding stuff. Don't you guys think? Yeah, yeah. It sounds a little dangerous. Oh, man. Okay. Uh, uh, I mean, <laughs> we're trying this weird mobbing thing. I can try your weird testing. Okay, okay. <laughs> nice, thanks. <laughs> All right. So... so so yeah, we're going to do a bit of a cooking show technique here. So you guys don't have to watch us write tests for a little bit. So uh, Ray, if you go on over to the first tab and just remove the X from the X describe. Uh, so magically, boom, imagine that time has fast forwarded about an hour or so. And <laughs> now the tests have covered the existing code. And take it away, Andy, with your navigation. <laughs> hey, thank you. Um, So let's see. Let's make sure that it all passed. So okay. are the existing tests passing? Uh, you might. It looks like it turned green. You might have to rerun Wallaby here. Are ah, we using an nice. a, a auto runner? Yeah, maybe let it do its thing there. Yeah. 
Excellent, excellent. Yeah, yeah. So um, there you go, six passing. Hey, excellent. So uh, Austin, you have some idea about adding an if statement. Should we start by adding a test of that first? Um, but you go back to the product code. Like, what are you talking about, man? Like we have green everywhere. So if you scroll down, yeah. So how, you know, so can't we just like add the new feature now? Um, like I was saying before. Um, hey, it is all green, but uh, <laughs> it's, I don't think we have test coverage for that new feature, you know? So that part is still not green. Maybe we should write like failing test just to start us out. Oh, let me drive. Why, why would I want to do that though? Like what's, what's the benefit there? Uh, I'm going to put someone else in the hot seat. Aaron, <laughs> why? Wait, so we, we, we got, we got coverage. Why would I do more tests now at this point? <laughs> uh, you, you want to make sure that the new code you're putting in uh, isn't going to be broken code. So if you write the test first, that'll give you some insight into what the product code will look like and it'll help ensure that you're writing good code. Ah, gotcha. gotcha. Okay. All right. Well, I've already done a few more weird things. What's another weird thing? <laughs> uh, so, uh, yeah. So let's go on over Andy to the test file. Sounds good. And we'll use another cooking show technique. You scroll down to the bottom. So as you can see above, there's a bunch of tests on all the non-conjured items. But then we have a test here that talks about degrading quality twice as fast for the conjured mm -hmm. items. Um, so you can go ahead and get, remove the X on that one. Sounds and, good. Oh, and look at that. Okay. So I think it's saying... Okay, so we have a conjured item. It starts at a quality six. And then it after we update quality, it should go to a quality of three. So I got, I'm guessing that's like twice as fast. All right, all right. And then the 10 goes to a five. Okay. Or wait, yeah, yeah, the eight goes to a five. Okay. All right, so assuming that this test is right, um, let's go back over to the product code and see what we see. Sounds good. Uh, so it'd be one tab over to the right, Andy. Thank you. Thank you. Hey, no worries. Sorry, I, I got disconnected. Still trying to get back. Okay, I am back. Nice. All right, let's start from the top again. Um, so, okay, so we have this comment. I think we can remove the comment because uh, we kind of got our test kind of covering that. Mm -hmm. And now we see we have the failing test. Oh, we have this lovely pyramid of if statements. <laughs> what, what do you all think of this, uh, this code quality here? Any thoughts from the mob? <laughs> yeah, it's a little, uh, can be a little hard to follow. <laughs> yeah 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 
Okay, okay. So we see all the other types. Let's scroll down. Mm-hmm. Keep scrolling down. And I think to kind of utilize our next cooking show technique, uh, if you scroll down, you'll find some commented out code. Andy, can you comment it back in? Ah. Uh, for, uh, yeah, the conjured item there. Yeah. So look at that. So imagine that the mob has worked for an hour or so and we implemented the conjured feature. We added some methods and some other things. And um, so cool. So all right, we finished the feature. And um, so what I'm thinking we do next is I was talking to uh, the CEO's um, uh, brother and he was telling me, hey, um, there's also these uh, not only conjured items, but also um, these special orc items. So if it has orc in the title, uh, they're going to degrade four times as fast. Um, so to the next navigator, let's just add that next feature right now. What do you think? Oh, I guess I can drive for you. What do you think, Aaron? Um, uh, let's see. We fixed our failing test, so everything's green, so we're good there. And let's see. You want to add the CEO's brother's feature? Yeah. Um maybe we could maybe we could call him into the meeting real quick and maybe get the CEO in here just to make sure that's really what he wants. <laughs> we can talk to the product owner because that sounds a little uh far-fetched to me, Austin. <laughs> Oh, come on, man. You know, we're just going to get this in on the down low. It's like a favor, right? <laughs> oh, in that case, by all means, let's get to it. <laughs> <laughs> hey, hold on. Like, should we should we push what we have to prod first just so that we can get some feedback before we go too deep in? Ah, uh, 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 okay, okay. Well, wait, wait. Yeah, I like want that to batch up like a bunch of features, like you know, big splashy marketing. You know, you know, make make you know this request happy, and also you know make his my the CEO's brother happy. You know? <laughs> why why don't you want to make this splashy? Come on now. <laughs> because we have something to release right now that can make a lot of people happy. Yeah, do it all at once. All right. All right. Let's commit it. Let's commit it. All right. So uh, cooking technique, we commit, push, and uh, it is released to production. And now we're back on the code. And uh, cool, Aaron, uh, what do you want to do next? Uh, now that you are navigating. <clears throat> uh, let's see. You had mentioned before about that ugly if pyramid there's a couple of them <laughs> yeah so i i would be interested in maybe making that a little more uh readable maybe okay all right uh you have any ideas on how to make well, it better I mean, i'm thinking a switch statement maybe that's one possibility cool yeah ray or andy you guys got any other ideas 
Yeah. Um, potentially, there's a lot of conditions on there, like a lot of if statements. Um, we could try making functions um, for them. So, so it's like we could have more readable descriptions. Okay, okay. Nice. All right, Mr. Navigator, what would you like to try out uh, first? Um, yeah, I like Ray's idea about maybe making some functions. Is there is there any obvious duplication? Like it looks like line 40 and 31 are similar. Mm. The quality is less than 50. Oh yeah, look at that. Quality less than 50. And oh yeah, look at that. And the oh, inside yeah. of the if is the same too. Yeah. All good catch. All right. You want me to extract the if block in both yeah, places, basically? Yeah, let's do that. All right. Okay. Um okay, so let's see what I need to do here. Refactor, mm -hmm. extract method, control all M. Um, so, okay, so the name of this one, yeah, maybe, um, we can just have it as. I, I guess before we set it, so is it currently doing the same thing as 38, 39, and 40? Yes. Okay. So it looks like it's increasing uh, the quality. If Okay. So maybe we can call this um, increment quality. Yeah, I think that's a great first name. Yeah. Um, so we can then uh, replace the duplicate calls with this method. Um, yeah, exactly. So 381. And then is this one here the same? I believe so. Yeah, it's less than. I think that's nested. In oh, oh, boom. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I see. So that one, yeah, is encompassing uh, all the lines underneath yeah. up till. Ah, yeah. Okay. Um, so yeah. that's it. Yeah, I mean, I have an idea. Um, how about, Ray, you just rename that method to just IQ for increment quality, you know, because it just makes it really short to read, IQ, right? Mm -hmm. um, that way we use less characters 
and uh you know you don't have to read so much you know what are your thoughts there yeah i think that's a good idea <laughs> <laughs> all right awesome well let's rename that variable quality to q and then uh hey, item well, I, I, locked up could could someone take over the driving for a moment oh yeah same here same here sure <laughs> okay yeah did everybody lock up on that one yeah i got the same it's kind of interesting i got some any death issue just keep being kicked out oh wow yeah weird um sorry for the i i know you said renamed to IQ. Um, but I I think that might be harder to understand if someone is, is coming in and they don't know what the function's doing. If they see IQ, it's like that could really mean anything. <laughs> but you and I know what it means, right? Who cares what people think? Who cares what people think when they read it in the future, right? Yeah. <laughs> I um I agree with you, Ray. I thought that was a terrible name. <laughs> but I, I, I was giving Austin's navigation some breathing room because I, I thought that he wanted to use that smaller name so he could see, you know, as it fit within the other if block mm -hmm. and that somehow that made it more readable for him. And then that was going to lead to another step of navigation that would simplify it. Maybe um maybe I assumed too much there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah good call uh, yeah i i'm also kind of leaning towards the longer name just because it's more readable and it's more maintainable so i think in the long run it's gonna be better for us i think all right all right all right all right i'll keep trying i'll keep trying you guys weird stuff <laughs> thanks all right, cool. So go ahead, Ray. You can keep that existing name. And uh, so, Andy, you, you got some more navigation ahead of you. Where, where, hey. where'd, you, where'd you leave off there? All right, let's go back to that pyramid of ifs. Let's see what else can we refactor now that we have tests. Let's see. Oh, yeah, anything that pops up. I think it pops to it. Concert, increment quality, increment quality. Mm, let's see. So if you scroll down a little bit, okay. Okay, okay. That's found in this item. Okay, not equal to this. Yeah, still trying to spot anything that we could refactor. See, so we have some decrementing stuff, but they are not reused. Let's go down a little bit more. Let's see. Hmm. So is that fifty-eight kind of the same? Like we can can we reuse our increment? quantity function in there? I believe so. Hey, uh, 
Yeah. So we can do. Um, is it this? And then there was a number. I think it's just the character I. Yeah. Oh. Nice. Okay. Hey, sweet. Let's see. All right. Let's see what else. Quality minus. All right. If you uh, scroll down a little more, so that is the new code we added. Update one for me. Okay, cool, cool, cool. No quantity less than 50. Ah, I see, I see. Hmm. Not really spotting any other low hanging fruits. Uh, what about you guys? Anything that stood out in terms of refactoring? I think uh, one thing I was thinking about is like there are a lot of conditions like if you know if this item name does not equal age free on 47 mm -hmm. a different one on 48 um, if we moved if we took those conditions and turned the condition themselves into functions with a descriptive name do you think that might make things more readable Hey, sure. wait, a, wait a second, you guys. So you were giving me a hard time earlier about, uh, you know, piling in lots of features. I'm going to give it back to you. You're piling up lots of refactors here. Shouldn't we commit and push what we got before we do more? <laughs> Ooh. Good call. Good call. All right. All right. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So imagine we just committed and pushed. I think you can just click over here. Uh-huh. And uh, yeah, we'll add a commit message like uh, extract method. And yeah, you can close the commit window. Cool. And then cool. What was your idea again, Ray? Let's go ahead and pick it up. Um, yeah, like just so there are a lot of conditions for things. If we can um, like, yeah, inside the if mm -hmm. block in that condition, like between the parentheses, if we could remove that into its own um function yeah okay, okay. Cool. yeah that sounds good and maybe it is duplicate so so the name does not equal sulfurous hand of rangoras or whatever yeah. you see that up on 43 as well um so maybe what do you think about introducing a variable instead of a, a method there um at least okay. to start out yeah so, so go ahead and uh yeah, refactor, introduce variable. So next time you can do a control alt V if you like. Oh, look at that. It found three. Oh, sweet. Do all three. Sweet. Um, okay, so if I'm not just gonna name it B, <laughs> you guys are trying to get me to name things so people can read it. Uh any suggestions from the mob on what this should be? Uh you scroll up a little bit, maybe it'll show us what it's naming. Uh, we're, oh yeah, right here. So this sulfurous thing. Ah. Uh. Sure. So I'm just gonna use that for now. Okay. So maybe is not sulfurous. Cool. All right. 
Cool. Uh, awesome, awesome. Well, it's been about a half an hour of mobbing, so we're actually going to cut at that point. Thank you all for seeing our very good, bad uh, theater <laughs> there of uh, eliminating some lean waste. So maybe you can identify them by name out of like the lean software book uh, <laughs> and throw them in the comments. Um, uh, but now we're going to jump into a uh, lean coffee. And so uh, I'm going to pull up a Trello board and we're going to jump right in. The advertised lean coffee portion of this tech talk is not in this episode since there is a pending approval to share it publicly on the Mob Mentality Show. Thanks, and have a good one, everybody.